A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D, the Dead Poor Hitter. You can always catch me on X Twitter at Dead Poor Hitter, the Poor Hitter Pod, at Poor Hitter Pod. And don't forget to check me out on the Patreon.com. Search Poor Hitter. It's also my pinned tweet on X Twitter. And yeah, come check it out. We're going to have a lot of fun this offseason. We're going to get everyone prepared to crush fantasy this season with actionable stuff, percentiles to achieve. In formats, all that fun stuff. We're going to do it. Play a breakdown starting very soon. Very excited to do that. Today's guest is Mr. Brandon King. Brandon is a content editor over at Pitcher List. Got into the NFBC arena a couple years ago and came in second overall in the main event. Capturing a very nice prize to take home. And uh, Brandon is very fluent also in auction league. So we talk a lot about the conversion from auction to snakes leagues and what he loves about auction versus snakes as well. And um, very, very good weave through his whole main event season. Brandon broke down. He was one of the most information-packed Google Docs I've ever received back from a guest. Um, The bullet points were just so awesome, and he talked right through it. He goes through his draft. He goes through his fab in season. He goes through the categories that he had to attack given his deficiencies through the draft. He drafted one save one save, and ended up with 63 at the end of the season. And for many of us who had trouble finding saves on the wire, it was amazing to hear him and how he did that. So he breaks all that down. And just a fascinating discussion that we had about all things fantasy. So hope everyone enjoys it. Give Brandon a follow on the X Twitter machine at B King 818 and the king is spelt with a one, not an I. So at BK1NG818. So give Brandon a follow on Twitter X. Give him a congratulations on a wonderful season. Give us any feedback on the podcast if it helped you at all, if it's going to help you going forward. Much appreciated. Everyone leaves a rating and review for me. Goes a long way in battling the huge content creators of the world, being an independent guy like myself, I'm trying to nudge my way through. This industry goes a lot uh, far for me, and I appreciate everyone who's followed me and given me the support and has joined the Pulp Hitter Patreon, and that's where you're going to find the rest of this episode, the bonus content. You'll get two hours on the public pod, so it's not like we're giving you nothing here for free, but if you want to come out, check out the rest of the hour we did. Yeah, that's right. We did three hours of podcasting. Come check it out on the Pulp Hitter Patreon. It's an additional hour where we talk about some early ADP in the draft season, 
give some opinions on the early risers and fallers compared to last year's ADPs, guys who have risen through the ADP and guys who have fell, and whether or not we think it's validated or not through what they've accomplished through their career and their historical stats. So, uh, enjoy the episode. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D., the dead pull hitter, and today my special guest is Mr. Brandon King, a pitcher list. He came in second overall on the NFBC main event this year and also did pretty well um, in its auction leagues as well. What's up, Brandon? How you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Uh, big fan of the show. Big fan of the Meatball Mafia. Uh, very excited to be on tonight. Um, talk about a favorite topic of mine, you know. I mean, yeah. he's finishing second in the main event. Obviously, it's been a couple weeks. Um, really been able to sit back and enjoy um, what happened instead of being stressed out about it. So I feel like I'm in a definitely a better state to talk about it now than I would have been <laughs> a month ago or five weeks ago, whatever it was. It's super stressful, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like there were times where I know Scott Jenstad talked about this a couple of times with his main event run where you, you know, you're, you're in the, you're up there and there's still, there's like, and you're and you're maybe struggling a little bit, dropping down a couple spots, and you're just thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't know if I'm ever going to get this high in the main event ever again in my life. And mentally, like sometimes that's like, man, if this is what it feels like to like slip a couple spots up high, like, do I even want to? Is this even what I wanted to want to do? Like, do I just want to <laughs> stick to like private leagues? And you know, like, I, I mean, slipping from fifth to tenth overall in the main events, like, not obviously the worst thing in the world, but um. No, it, it can be stressful. Yeah, there's there's some lows mixed in there for sure. It's not all uh, – I definitely utilized the screen pillow in your Discord channel. <laughs> yes, um, but the problem was, like, I would I would lament about something, and somebody would be like, yeah, but at least you're, like, high up in the main, or ah, you got nothing to complain about. You're all the way up there. So, like, I don't think I got the full utilization or the full reaction I would have gotten out of everybody, but I do appreciate that channel being there because I definitely used it a few times. Yes, the Scream channel is amazing for anyone not a part of the Meatball Mafia Patreon and the Discord. We have a thread that you can go and just uh, vent about, you know, the stupidest things that we can vent about, right? You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this was a call strike. Everyone's calling hoeing pictures of the zone and look at this missed call strike. And I, I should have had a save here. And, uh, mm -hmm. but it's so much fun. Um, and no, it, it's, that's a good point by Jen's dad. Like, you're never going to, like, that feeling of I might never get back here kind of. Like when teams are in the playoff hunt, I always go back to the Steven Strasburg, like, example. I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's like they, like, stopped him, obviously. And, I think that was what a lot of people were saying. Like, what if you never get back to this point, you know, with this, with this generational talent and it's like, it's so similar, but, um, and like every move you can make um, just can come back to, uh, you know, obviously the goal is to, you know, get into this league, win your league. And then if you got a shot at that overall prize, right, just gun for it. And um, when it becomes a realization, like it could be 200,000 or 50 or, you know, 50 or eight. Um, <laughs> every, every yeah. level is great. Don't get me wrong. Right. Because yeah. it, it's, it's going to change your life in some way, shape or form. But <laughs> when you know how much of a difference it is, it's just, it's pressure packed. And I think that's, that's um, the biggest difference for me um, when, you know, 
the whole debate about, oh, it's a free or a cheap league versus, you know, these leagues. Um, and it's not because, oh, we, all these players are so much better. It's just that every move is magnified. And that kind of pressure, that kind of anxiety, that kind of panic feeling you might have of not trying to fuck up, um, you can't measure that in, in in a league that's free or, you know, cheaper league because it's, yeah. like, you know, it's just so different. It's a, it's it's money that can <clears throat> you can go out for a, a dinner in in the in this day and age or it's money that you can put away for your child you know forever it's yeah so, it's yeah. so different it's so different so um yeah and you had a good battle down at the end you know it's just such a such a tough group that you were battling against because it's just known you know nfbc hall of famers future hall of famer <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah a, there's a lot of there's a lot of big boys up there um you know that you're trying to dance around but um, before we get into your teams and everything, tell me how you got here to like trying out the NFBC fantasy baseball, everything baseball in general in your life. I like to get a little backstory about baseball in your life. Yeah, um, I think I was first intrigued. Obviously, I, I my first fantasy league that I ever played in was football. Um, it was my freshman year of high school. I thought it was really cool that. You know, I, I followed sports, but if I could like roster a team of players and convert their stats into taking money from my friends, I, I that, <laughs> that that concept to me, I was like intrigued with that almost immediately. I'm like, like honestly, the money aspect was the biggest pull from like from the very beginning, um, yeah. early on, early on. Um, obviously, the competition was good, and obviously, watching football and all that was good. Um, and so baseball kind of started for me for the same way where I had, I had a home league of guys that I was friends with. They're just like, Hey, you know, we all like baseball. Let's try this, this throw together a league on ESPN. Um, it was just an eight team head to head league uh, in 2012. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So if I, I, I learned from my very little football experience that like, if I'm in a fantasy league, I really tend to like really dig in and take it super seriously. Um, and I was in this home league for a while and we actually grew from eight teams all the way up to 16 teams. And we turned it from a snake draft into an auction and we added keepers. And um, we had this aspect where you could trade auction dollars at our trade deadline. You could actually, we had a normal uh, salary cap, but you could trade or receive up to 15 auction dollars for the next year's draft. If you were like, playing for this year or punting and you know you didn't have a chance this year oh. like we you know we were just adding yeah so yeah just the i think the I tricky like part of that is that everybody valued what 15 dollars at the auction like i mean 15 dollars okay i'm buying a half a season of a 30 dollar player some people would value that as like wow i could buy kyle tucker at the trade deadline for 15 dollars or some people would value it for like nothing and it, so it, was, it, it would get kind of messy because everybody would kind of um think that that was a steal or not and you know all the all these kind of things um and then you gotta like just everyone coming back with the but it's a keeper league and this is how i value it right and that's a, always yeah. the um that's always that's the why we limited it yeah that's why we limited it to 15 dollars because like 
you're not going to roll up. Somebody's not going to roll up with like four hundred dollars to the auction because <laughs> they because they maxed out. You know how much they. We wanted to put some kind of limit on it, but you know, starting from two sixty to go up to two seventy five, like hey, that's that's kind of nice, you know. Or yeah. starting instead of two sixty, you're starting with two forty five. Like okay, that's you know, but you went for yeah. it the previous year, so that was the price. Right. Yeah. Um. Cool. And actually, I was in a, like that keeper league. I was in a couple other keeper leagues and home leagues. Um, you know, I was really into them. I was doing really well for um, most seasons, and I found that I was like putting so much effort into these leagues. And like, unfortunately, the buying level, I you know, it just. I I hate to be this this guy and say this. I don't know how else to put it, but like, I wanted to put more money into my leagues because I felt like I was investing that amount of time, like, you know, listening to podcasts every day, subscribing to whatever services out there for a $50 league. Like I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I, I feel confident enough in my game that I can buy in for more than just that. And, um, kind of learning about attitude. the, yeah, just kind of learning about the NFBC and, um, just the podcast I was listening to, obviously they were talking about the NFBC a lot um kind of looking into the different contests that they had um and the buy-in levels um you know i started playing the nfbc in 2020 i kind of took it as a okay i don't you know learning the software learning fab just learning how to maneuver around the site yep let's utilize a short two-month season in case like it goes terrible and I, I hate it, you know, okay, well, it was only two months and I can just go back to my leagues and you know, whatever. Right. Um, so I tried out the NFPC in 2020. I played one uh, auction or road wire, wire the, uh, the OC, one OC and one mm -hmm. cut line. Okay. Because um, I had, I used to play before their underdog, they were fantasy draft or draft. Um, and I had, I had played some of their best balls in 2019 and I actually did really well. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try best ball. I'm going to try an OC and just see how it goes. Um, the thing about that draft in 2020, I remember, um, I had, I think I started with a pick five. This is my very first NFBC draft 2020. I start, I had a Trey Turner, Shane Beaver start, which was mm -hmm. the nuts in 2020. Yeah. Know, yeah. As far as those two guys were concerned. Um, but then the rest of my draft fell apart and I, you know, I don't remember exactly who was on that team, but I just remember looking back, you know, like, I'm like, wow, I really, I started like optimally, you know, yeah. um, in 2020, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it enough where I played more NFBC in 2021, um, and 2021 was a really good year for me. Um, I played in a 150. So I'm, I have more auction background than snake background. Um, a lot of my, the home leagues that I played in ended up turning into auctions, which was fun um, for sure. So I played a 150 auction, a 500 auction and a 1500 auction in 2021. Okay, nice. Yeah. So just kind of at each buying level, just started, I mean, just, you know, early, I, well, the 150 was my first, the 1500 was my last auction. Um, first time doing auctions on FPC, trying out the software. Um, the 150 auction in 2021, I finished seventh overall. Uh, I cashed in the $500 auction league, and in the 1500, I tied for second in the league, and I got tenth overall. Nice. It wasn't any extra money in 2021, but 
I tied for second in the league, and I think that was twenty four hundred bucks or so. So I'm like, okay, I'm in. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah this is great. <laughs> you know, fantastic. Um, at that point, uh, in the 2021 off season, um, Nick Pollock was reaching out for um, people. You know, they had a lot of openings at the web at the pitcher list, and they were trying to expand their staff and everything. Um, I wasn't exactly ready to just like, you know, write fantasy content, all that sort of thing, just because I didn't think I had the time. But I figured I can at least be an editor, you know, work a night or two every week, um, just prep articles for the next day, um, just get my feet wet and work in the industry, you know, mm -hmm. meet people, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I started that um, in the December of 2021 or early 2022. Um, I did now the cool thing about pitcher list and Nick is that they are totally open to for if you are interested in something and passionate about something, they are totally flexible and open to write about whatever you want. Um, yeah, you know, there's a there's a schedule, they have it all organized. Um, if you're really if you see an open an opening on the website or something that isn't addressed that you want to talk about, um, they do a lot of real life baseball, fantasy baseball, it's a little bit of everything on the site. Um, and so I just, I didn't see any auction content really on the site. So I volunteered myself to write like a, just an auction strategy piece, um, in early 22, early 2022. Um, and you know, it ended up being a three part series. And I mean, just writing those three articles, I'm like, holy crap, that was like a lot of work. Like, I don't know how you do what you do on a daily basis, six months yeah. out of the year, or, um, I really like reading Nick Pollock's uh, SP Roundup every morning. He does that every single day. Um, it really just, I just had an, another level of appreciation for the amount of time and effort that content providers put in. And it's just like, wow, I don't think I can actually do this. You know, this is, this was a lot of work. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, 2022 wasn't as great of a year. Um, played in more auction leagues. Um, and this was the first time where I was really looking at the main event. And I think the tricky thing about the main event is not only the the price point, but it's also not a bankroll building contest in that right. yep. so much of the money goes in the overall, um, you know, the league prizes are obviously, you know, the, the, the fact that they put so much money in the overall, the league prizes are, are fine for that. But I think if people are really trying to build like an actual bankroll, I would always recommend like more of the satellite leagues or private leagues because just more more money stays in the league and that sort of thing so i looked at the main event last year and i'm like i'm gonna try and qualify for it i don't know if i really want to put that much money in um to a league um last year didn't go so well i didn't cash in any leagues i didn't cash in any leagues um didn't win any qualifiers uh some of it was player evaluation and process. Some of it was uh, my son was born in June. So going from zero to one kid was like a major, major life change. And all of a sudden I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about fab or, you know, make saying, keeping up with my podcasts or, or whatever else. Um, and so 2020, so I kind of came out of that year thinking like, okay, if I'm going to, for 2023, I'm going to play less fab leagues for one, just because I have a little more time. And now, now I have a little more time and a little more energy, but I also don't want to stretch myself too thin. 
Um, so that's why I went with the, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to consolidate what I would normally put into leagues into a few leagues. Right. And so then I decided that, okay, let's enter the main event, see what the big deal is. Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> let's sure. jump in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we landed leading into 2023, I would say. That's awesome. That uh, yeah. I love that story. It's um, it's so great to hear the path, um, you know, to get to either the NFBC or you know any kind of um, weaving through life of uh, playing fantasy. Like I said, the auction keeper league. That's how I started. You know, um, still have that home league and um, totally different. Like going to like completely roto and you know. Um, completely different fab thing and i think i think what you said to like really resonates and it resonated with me when um i first heard it um it was right after i won the overall and i i started doing this podcast like more with getting the nfbc guests on like just going that route like you know let me talk to all mm-hmm. these guys in in this space and um i had on mark Rebros got the most main event titles the NFBC and uh you know he's I had him and Modica on my pod and Mark's like you know for anyone out there and like I knew the mantra like you know time is money you know I used I used to be a union carpenter we got paid by the hour so everything I did in my life was resident like I broke down to how much money is it per hour you know like that's how I base things on and um you know when he he said like for anyone listening who doesn't play the nfpc and you spend more than two hours a day or, or or 10 hours a week playing fantasy baseball and you're good at it just like you said like you're spending all this time right and if you're confident you said like i felt confident and it's such a big difference like just what you could bring home um and and reward you for spending that much time into it and then some people are like oh you're stupid for spending that much time in fantasy baseball anyway but you know like you could have worse vices in life you know um people Definitely. do a lot of crazy stuff in this world and um i'm happy in this little lane <laughs> you know yeah. ever, ever since i st- um i met my wife and um you know we're going out and right um probably about um a little like seven eight months into going out when when first baseball season ended um and i won my home league and i won another league and she's like oh, how much do you get for you know these leagues ah, you know i want like four thousand bucks she's like really i was like yeah and she's like oh she's like what are you gonna do i'm like i don't know you want to go away you know she's like it's like and then after yeah. that it was like do what you gotta do she knows i love it and she knows like i put effort into it to be good um and that's it you know she it's just ever since then it's like even when i you know i got injured at work and um it's like hey you know why don't you you're gonna have some time off why don't you start a podcast I'm like, i can't do a podcast you know, what are you talking about and it's like just having uh someone who recognized that i enjoyed it and i was good at it to just give me that push and it's crazy what it, you know like what it led to um mm-hmm. but yeah just 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 and I still, that resonates with me still. And you just nailed it again. You reinforced it. Like you're spending time on it. it and that goes with anything in life. You're spending time on it. Like uh, I, I always tell my nieces and nephews, like, hey, you know, you're spending so much time on TikTok and Instagram. Like, why don't you be uh, a content creator? 
Like yeah. instead of spending all this time looking at other people, why don't you monetize? Why don't you put out something into the world? Like you have talents, you know, one, you know, you draw, you paint, you dance, uh, you know, like you play sports, do something. You, you like utilize that, you know, that, that knowledge of what you're doing. But um, so you mentioned the auction versus snake. You have more history with the auctions. Um, how was it parlaying that experience into like NFPC auctions? What was the biggest differences for you with that? Um, I think the with the NFBC auction, something that I wasn't a fan of initially, but I understand it is how you know you 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 auction out those first twenty three spots, and then you do the reserve in the set you know in the seven the seven um, bench spots as a reserve snake draft. Yep. Um, just trying to figure out especially on the pitching side, like, you know, how, how many, how many pitchers do I want to buy? How many closers do I want to have that just kind of tricky in figuring out, especially towards the end, like throw out some um, like really good backup relief pitcher for a dollar. And then you get stuck with them and you're like, I didn't want to burn one of my nine starting <laughs> pitching spots on this, <laughs> you know, like, it sounded good in theory, but then you're like, wait, I actually only, I already have a closer and I only have five starters and I could have used that for starting pitching, you know, like <laughs> just kind of figuring that out on the fly. Yeah. Um, and so now with, with closers and least in auctions on FPC, I'd rather, it's actually a little bit different than my snake approach. I actually spend up on at least one solid guy just so right. that I, that I can justify to myself. Okay. I'm going to, have eight starting pitching, eight starting pitchers with the remainder of those spots, um, because I think that's what I would do in a normal auction. But I'm kind of, you know, forced to do it in a certain way on FBC. Um, I think that was the biggest like adjustment initially. Um, but I really appreciate, you know, the the average auction values that are on the site, um, mm-hmm. and you can change the dates uh, on when you know you can see where players how their price fluctuates and the mins and the maxes um and just i i would try to i had with my home leagues i would have um i would keep track of all of our auctions and have all of our old, old draft boards and i would know how many you know how much money everybody's going for because is that the best man? Yeah, yeah. Traditional auction sheet isn't going to help me. What's going to help me is the history of these specific 16 guys in the league. Um, And I know keepers change things a little bit. Um, That was the other thing, not having to to deal with keeper inflation and that sort of thing. Just having straight, raw, five-by-five roto (laughs) as God intended or whatever. (laughs) You know, like nothing. That's the biggest adjustment. Yeah, that is so the that biggest was... adjustment because it's not a like, oh, I got this six dollar <laughs> keeper who's going for forty two dollars, and then figuring out you know, everybody else's values. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I love that part of the keeper aspect of it, but yeah, like you said, bridging it to raw values sometimes is uh, that's why I gotta like do my home auction last because I can't, I can't like I can't have that influence. Anymore. No, I no. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. Okay, here's the contest. Here's the ADP. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know who I'm going to be drafting against, but I can at least have a nice sample of ADP or AAV for this contest that I'm about to enter. 
um, with the same stipulations. Um, that's you know the closest thing that I can get. So um, yeah, figuring that out, um, just learning how to utilize the ADP and the AAV, even with the main events, you know, I would change the dates to just, you know, the weekend so that I would try to grab some of the, the Vegas drafts and just see, okay, what changed from the early main event draft season to what happened yesterday, you know? Right, um, right. Yep. Who, who so went up, who went down, that kind of thing. Just toying around with that. Um, so yeah, I appreciate the NFBC for just having that information available. And I would recommend to anybody who plays, just like play around with it. You know, um, yeah, such good data. That's, that's, yeah. right? it's, it's, it's like, you know, you have like player evaluation and it's such a small fraction <laughs> like of, yeah. of, of what you can really utilize on the site to help you in your leagues. And like you said, really being able to like, like one of the first things you said about playing it just navigating the site, getting used to it, understanding where each tab takes you. You know, I just remember like maybe halfway through my first full season i i actually i'm like where'd you get that data and he's like this tab this tab and i'm like oh shit <laughs> that's cool yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and it's, it's there's, there's so much available there and just just to be able to look at every single fab move in every single format yep you know and then yeah. being able to see uh, cause I, I, I know, you know, it's people are looking at who other people are bidding on, you know, people in your league or just any analyst or good player. And you're like, Oh, who's this guy picking up this week? And, mm -hmm. um, all those things are there it is totally there to be, um, used uh, for your advantage or just, you know, just to, just to check it out. So, so big. Yeah. And I like the, uh, I think I was a little bit of a sucker for like the, the historical, the career earnings leaders leaderboard yeah. as well like and or just being able to find you know if you hear if you listen to somebody on a podcast you can find how they did in 2022 2021 whatever year and see how their league results were or if i see a guy's name on the leaderboard on their career earnings leaders and he's on a podcast i'm like well i'm gonna listen to this guy you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like he actually knows what he's doing versus um you know there are definitely a lot of podcasts that i listen to and some of them are more catered toward general fantasy baseball, but I definitely prefer the NFBC centric ones that you, you know, yourself for sure have been putting out. Zach has been putting out. Um, I just appreciate that so much more because that is catering to what I'm actually doing, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the, I like the earnings leaders. I like the history. I, you know, I, I think I just like having things tracked and maybe that's things like, tracked. Yeah. Just, just, just things to go back and look at. I think that might be maybe something carry over from my, from my home leagues as well. Just being able to look back on different drafts and who finished where. And yeah, it's just, it's just nice to, it's just nice to see for sure. So 100%. I would recommend that for people. To I look just at. think if like yeah. me, it's just like, it's something that I've always done in my whole life, you know, like mm -hmm. I've tracked stats from when uh you know me and my brother played stratomatic um mm -hmm. you know from when me and my friend played wiffle ball from just going to games and keeping a scorecard or keeping a score for my brother's softball teams like everything always had um i was always tracking stats and i love it's like you said it's all there it's historical it's all there. there it's like 
right you know mm -hmm. they have a hall of fame it's so cool i just feel like that's mm -hmm. so cool it's like things yeah. you could uh, uh, like shoot for and aspire for you know like um like yeah you know just so cool seeing your name up there like in in the earnings things it was like oh shit this is cool or just being friends with phil and seeing how he's almost the number one earner <laughs> already in like already you know or whatever it was oh yeah. shit you know and it's like obviously a stated goal he had from the start and it's it's so cool it's so cool to see so yeah it's, um all that stuff is is really cool so like how do you um how do you like what's your biggest difference that you found this year in prepping for a main event versus the auction leagues it's like how did you try to separate those two in terms of your player evaluations or ranks um, yeah, with, with auctions, you know, you, it's, it's nice to, I, I, I do, I do take the AAV and the ADP of both contests pretty literally because, mm -hmm. you know, this is, it doesn't, I mean, it does matter what I think of a player and what the projection says and what the dollar value spits out based on their projections, but like, okay, what is he actually going for? You know, mm -hmm. um, and with the main event, just seeing, you know, I didn't have as much snake snake draft experience, but I could kind of tell based off of ADPs and mins and maxes, I think I started with pitching first and just figuring out, okay, obviously I know in the main event, starting pitching is very important. Um, where are the guys that I like? Where are they going? And I think I'm... I think I factored in their min more than their ADP just because I know that main event drafters are pretty aggressive. Um, just because he has a 65 ADP doesn't mean that I'm going to get him at even 62 or 63. If his min's 55, then I'm just going to be like, okay, his price is 55, you know, right. just taking the min into consideration um, and just trying to build a plan on the worst case scenario in that way. You know, um, just having just mapping out each pick and just saying, well, based on the min, these guys won't be available. Whereas maybe come draft day, they will end up being available and it'll it'll go maybe better than you expected it to um, kind of do the same thing with the auctions. But especially with the snake drafts, I feel I don't know which which format do you think you have more control in? Because I would, I, I'm sure auction players would be like, well, you have more control at the auctions because you can just grab your guys and all that. But even auctions, every auction room is different. If another 100%. guy, if another, if another guy likes the same player and you get into a bidding war, like I feel like avoiding bidding wars might be like such an un, like not talked about thing. <laughs> like just don't, yeah, just just why having or setting off bidding wars for other people to engage in and just sitting back and watching like um, that's kind of one of the more enjoyable things that I like to do. Like, yeah, I can if I can see based off of, um, you know, when I'm doing the online auctions, I have the draft like the the completed draft boards on one of my monitors so I can see that, OK, if there's two guys that have a lot of money and they both need a first baseman and there's one good first baseman. Um, you know, left in the queue before the before there's a tear drop down. I'm just going to guess on the fly that they're both saving money for that first baseman. And if I, it's my turn up to bid, I'm just going to just going to auto put them up for nomination just to watch the money fly. Hopefully, yeah. Um, so just 
But like you said, though, you never know who, who, right? You never know the room and you never know. Yeah. Like you said, like you, you may think you have more control, but like my last draft I did in Vegas this year was an auction draft. And my plan was to have it last so I can grab all the guys I didn't get. And I sat there with a fucking list. Phil was hanging out every now and then. Um, you know, that's the cool thing too about the live events. Like you go hang out with your friends, just go watch them draft. So just, just, just like, and take it all in. Cause you know, we prepped all this year to do it and it's just to soak in other, I just love watching other people do draft you guys who come with a clipboard and a, a fucking pencil, a guy have, have a diorama of, of, of all these things. It's like so cool to experience all that. And I had this list. It was like, guys, guys, um, guys, I want to get this draft, right? And I got yeah. like one out of the ten I fucking wrote down. Yeah, and then probably the same conversion right for a snake draft, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. people complain about snake drafts and being put in certain positions and getting sniped and all this stuff, but auctions can get crazy too. Like it's they can, they can. I had a Med Rosario on like a lot of my teams. So I was like, all right, this is the draft that I'm gonna get. Nico Horner, like this is this is who I want on this team. And he was going, I think his AAV was like 12 or 13, and he went for 17 or 18, I think, in that draft. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, what am I going to do? Spend $20 for Nico Horner just because I want him? <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. You have to talk all this into your head on the fly. And then now you're getting upset. So now your actual mood is changing, right? And those are the things you have to battle, too. Um, and that's a long draft. It's a six, you know, five, six hour event where you, you're literally getting taxed as the time slip by. Then, so when those things don't happen in your way, it's just so frustrating. It's like, I think I had Rasmussen on the list. Um, William Contreras was on the list. I didn't get any of those guys. And, oh man. So I'm, yeah. I'm totally not going to listen to the, oh, get you guys in the last four, like last draft. I'm going to have the complete, I'm just going to not have that list. Just get your guys the first time around. Just get, you I know mean, what? Easier, easier said done. than done. But like, get yeah, you guys the first time around. I'm going to fucking write that down. I <laughs> think these in notes. <laughs> and I know, I think this is why I've been hesitant to, to dive into um, draft champions because I feel like sometimes. You're like, okay, I got my guys on draft champions. I'm good. My exposure is good. And yes. then main event season comes and their price has gone up since draft champion season. So then you subconsciously decide that, ah, they're, they're too expensive now. Um, I'm not going to get them. Whereas um, as of now, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do before the main events come around, but I really like just, just kind of compiling my own notes and research and kind of putting my together, my own plan and just having a very, very fresh, um, you know, mindset ready to go when the big drafts come around. Um, right. And I know, I think I heard Toby on a podcast. I think he went on Bubba's podcast recently. I think he was kind of saying the same thing. He's like, yeah, I might not start drafting until March, which is kind of crazy to to hear Toby say, because I mean, I've, I was listening to his stuff for the longest time. And, Me too. You know, he was in he, yeah. 12s, 15s, all this stuff. And he's just like, yeah, I might just wait. And like, yeah, I, I tend to agree because I'm going to be the guy who only has maybe three fab teams just because that's all that my time and energy will really allow. And that's, I'm able to put that much, you know, all the focus into those couple leagues. I'm going to be as fresh as I can be. And I'm going to take every draft and try to, you know, get my guys quote unquote in those drafts. I think that's the other thing that I didn't mention with the main event ADP is that, 
uh, you know, I think we all battle like ADP bias where, you know, you have two guys and you like the one guy, but the other guy is a higher ADP and you're just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I think you some we sometimes fall subconsciously into picking the guy that has the higher or the, the better ADP. Whereas I, I really try my best to just with every pick, like I try, I, I really try to marry my draft, my draft self on the day of with my in-season self. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if I can think of my in-season self, if I look back on this pick, like, am I going to, I mean, I have a couple draft. I have a couple picks in this main that we'll get to where I look back and I'll be like, "Oh, that was so stupid," you know. I even though I, <laughs> I fight it. I, I fight it, and everybody else fights it. But sometimes you you make a pick and then you look back mid season and you're like, "Hi, you know, I, I'd rather not have this guy on my team." Um, <laughs> but really trying to stick to that, like, the, just not ignoring ADP because, I, again, I really I do appreciate having those numbers to know what. Um, the perception is reality and that the NFC players are saying that this guy is worth this. I, I definitely appreciate having that information and knowing it. Um, just trying to use it to my advantage and maneuver around. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I have a couple min picks um, in the, on this main team that we'll get to just, I mean, if they're your guys, they're your guys. I'm going to definitely go get your guys type of guy versus, mm-hmm. you know, look at the projections or look at the ADP, even if the projections say that this guy's ranked a couple dollars higher, this guy has projected for a couple more homers. I'm going to trust my research. I'm going to trust not just the numbers that they're projected for, but their situation and trying to play a little bit, figure it and into the human element as well. Just like, like first year guys on big contracts, you know, I know that's a thing that people try to avoid and I kind of subscribe to it because I mean, I know Trey Turner is an easy example. Like he got off to a really slow start in 23, but big contract, new city, new team, lots of new surroundings, maybe a little more pressure to perform. Um, I'd rather just kind of take the guy that's that's been there, that's been doing it, at least with the early picks, than you know, get a little more crazy as the draft goes down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you mentioned Toby. Toby was a big influence on me getting into – you know, independent, non, you know, big podcast. I just remember like really just starting to listen to fantasy baseball podcast and just going through and listen to all of them. And I heard his and I was instantly hooked <laughs> to him. Yeah. And it's just, his whole style was just amazing. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I know he's, you know, we have our little group chat, um, me and Phil and uh, Steve and, all I had to do was flash up my round seven GTR for him to say, oh, fuck it, I'm getting into draft, you know? know yeah. That would do it. Oh, yeah. That would, that's all he would need. That's all he would need. Oh, yeah. Sure. he he's, That's his guy for sure. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's, like, also, to one of the reasons I instantly um, enjoy listening to Toby because we had, our, like, the same um, concept on catchers, you know, same idea on getting strong catchers. And I remember when I got, you know, I was doing some drafts and, um, you know, first heavy DCCs and I did like, Oh, it's, you know, it's like a Toby board. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good approach. I like it. It's something I've always used. And like, I'm, I'm comfortable going this route. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely a good point about getting st- stuck in your head with, Oh, I have, 
I have these she shares of this person. So you don't feel maybe you don't go balls to the wall with being aggressive on picking a guy in the main event. Um, I felt like to, uh, you know, maybe you get into a lot of drafts with the same people and they might even be in your main event drafts or your auction drafts and they'll know you, they'll have a book on you. And then that's also another added game to it. Just like you're saying with the home leagues, right? It's like, I know my home league is this, this one guy is always going to get two $20 catchers. And yeah. I know this one guy is going to get three $20 closers that, that even, even though he plays saves, saves and holds, I just know he, <laughs> he, he does He disregards the holds, you know, like I just know that stuff. And it's fun to have that. Um, so yeah, so let's go. Take us down this 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 journey of your main event team. Um, yeah. Tell me all about it, and um, you know, I'll ask some questions here and there. Okay. Yeah. So so I did two mains this year, back to back nights. I was actually <laughs> I had left a job that Friday, and I was starting a new job on the Monday. So I was I didn't want to do any drafts before because i was busier stuff and i didn't want to do any drafts after because i was starting a new job so i'm like okay i'm going to do a draft on the saturday and sunday of the vegas weekend both online um this was my second main but my first main i just want to provide a little context because i did want to try to diversify a little bit between the two um my first main i actually got um the number one pick through kds so you know just running good already <laughs> yeah um, yep. <laughs> dra drafted acuna number one um when pocket aces with nola woodruff at the two three turn um i did take presley in the fourth round with schwarber at the four five turn um and i you know i didn't jump back into st starting pitching until round eight and i left that draft and i know some people don't like the wheel for certain reasons i actually kind of like it because i think it helps fight that adp bias that i was talking about earlier where you're forced to take two picks and really you're forced to look at the next 30 guys that are available adp wise and i i just like taking maybe the best guys within the next 30 picks which usually leads to me reaching which usually doesn't bother me um but just the aspects of that draft, I drafted two uh, starting pitchers early. I drafted a closer early. Um, I, once I learned that I got the number one pick for my KDS for the second draft, I changed it so that I would kind of pick towards the back part of the draft. Um, and then after I executed my first draft, I kind of wanted to start my second main with two hitters. Um, and I mean, obviously it would depend on, you know, what, what kind of players would fall to me and that sort of thing. But I just having, picking those two, picking Nolan Woodruff and then coming back in round eight, it just, I don't know if I've never done pocket aces or if it was extra tricky cause I was on the wheel, but I just didn't like, um, kind of how I handled that. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not, it just, it was just kind of strange for me. So something that I did between the two drafts, that is a very simple and kind of cave managed thing that I, that um, anybody can really do for any draft. But um, I took the, the SP, the ADP that had happened the past couple of days, printed it off with all the starting pitchers. And I just grouped them like the first 15 starting pitchers, Mm -hmm. were the tier one and then the next 15 were tier two and the next 15 were tier three so that i could kind of keep track i i didn't want to be too 
Um, I didn't want to spend too much on starting pitch and I didn't want to spend too little, which was something that I was struggling with trying to figure out on the go because with auctions, it's very easy because there's a dollar value, but you don't know what on the fly, what pick 26 is worth versus pick 87 versus pick 201. Like they, I don't have a dollar value for those on the fly, but if I can, um, track that okay i'm taking one sp out of this first tier and one sp out of the second tier and one sp out of this third tier at least i'm staying on track with the spending that everybody else is spending on starting pitching roughly um so that i kind of know that i'm not going too heavy or too light um so that's just something that i did on the side that i don't know if, if people um have done before or whatever or i'm sure i'm sure they have done before but something that was easy enough to keep me in my lane as far as starting pitching spending was concerned um so I, I, I changed would say, my I'm sorry, but I would say yeah, that yeah. like, um, you know, you went in this, you know, where you said we went to pocket aces early with Nola Woodruff and, you know, Joe Ryan in the eighth. I don't think that's bad. I think maybe like that, the, the next guy being tie on, maybe it could have been another pitcher in there, you know, cause I think the approach is good. Like those three guys in the top eight rounds are, are, are solid, but maybe just, Right, the next six picks being bats um, before you went to tie on. Maybe that's the the part where, because I see in the next draft that you did, you know, you did do that. You went to like Evaldi in that range where you know the one fifty ish range, which I think definitely helps adding that that other SP. Um, you know, and I think like Rob Silver put it best when he's like, you know, he looks at the draft boards in Vegas, like. You can't really tell by looking at the first three, four rounds how every team is, right? But like his eyes first go to looking at someone's SP seven through ten, you know, yeah. and being like, yeah. okay, like this guy built up depth. He's he's someone to watch. Or and I think that's um that's really key because I I tried to do that in my draft this year, um, which definitely led me to leaving myself short. I think on on some hitting. So I think I have to just, you know, tweak it just a little bit so I get the balance right. But um, it's it's a delicate balance that you have because like, especially if you find a stretch where you love the hitter so much, right? And um, mm -hmm. that's what happened to me in my one main event where um, I did go DeGrom and I had Otani and I think I had Snell. Um, and then every pitcher I wanted to add after that because I still – wanted to count Otani as like a half, you know, or it's like a sometimes option. So I was like, oh, I got one guy who's pretty injury prone in the Grom and one mm -hmm. guy in Snell who's pretty, you know, hot and cold. So, and then, so I was like, all right, I want to target, um, I think it was Joe Ryan, but then Gleyber Torres was still available. Like I think 130-ish or 120, late 120s. And he was one of the, he was the highest guy on my board. I'm like, I'm taking him. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll go pick a neck round. And then every every picture I had in my queue went um, in that wraparound. It was far. It was like, you know, uh, 20 picks in the middle or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. And so it was either reach or pick Dan B. Swanton, who was the highest player on my board. And a guy I hadn't picked all draft champions. Season. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened so many times in the main event with me. It's like testing you. Like, what about this player? And I was like, man, it's just. Yeah. I just gotta take, you know, I, I just gotta go here. And like luckily, um, I was at the three spot. So like two, one, one, two back to me. And I picked Jordan Montgomery and he was just like the perfect stabilizer and just mm -hmm. gave me innings. But sometimes 
you know, it just happened that way. You just, and uh, I think that's what Andrew Geller does really good. The guilds, he, he, yeah. he always talks about, like, he just doesn't force something he thinks he needs and just mm-hmm. takes that best player available. And that was kind of something like that was <laughs> in my head um, because you can just leave yourself too focused on, I need this. I need that. And that's what's happening right now. in like draft champions, like it's round 30, it's round 32. And you're like, well, I need to get a shortstop here you know, to make my, you know, second or third shortstop, or you just take the best player that you see, you know, and sometimes um, it's the right call. And sometimes you, you, during the season, you're like, man, I could really have used uh, Nick Prado here because I have no corner infield, <laughs> you know, like something stupid too that just resonates yeah. from like your draft recall. So, um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just wanted oh, to no, say, like, I don't okay. think that, I don't think that Joe Ryan was bad. It's just sometimes, you know, maybe yeah, I was just heading it up, right? For whatever reason, I felt like if I was taking two starting pitchers with that much early draft capital, mm-hmm. like taking another starting pitcher at the six seven felt too early. But then by the time the eighth right. round came came around, it kind of felt a little too late. So yeah, I guess in that aspect, I should have just I could the Joe Ryan pick, but maybe just followed up with a little more reinforcements earlier than I did. Um, I think you mentioned the wheel too. And I think that that definitely does play an act. Like, because maybe even mm. if you wanted to say, oh, well, maybe I'll grab two pitches here, but, you know, you ended up picking Ryan and Glaber, you know, which is gr- great pick. But sometimes, you know, that's that's a thing, right? Like, well, if I go pitcher here, like, then am I going to get, like, impact bats in my next uh, come around? So it's always. Yeah. Always and just trying to look ahead, you know. Yep. I kind of like it, though. I think with an auction background, I I know people will be like on the wheel. I have no control because I don't know who's going to be there in two rounds, but I tend to subconsciously focus on, well, I actually do have more control because I'm picking two guys at a time. And I kind of like being able to line up two picks at a time and make them. Um, So I don't mind the wheel as much if, if I have to uh, land it, but um, so with with this second draft, I, I, I drew the nine spot. um, And if I was going to go hitters early, um, I really liked power, you know, five category contributors, guys that helped me across the board. Um, in season, I've had problems like finding quality speed and quality batting average on the waving, waiver wire. So quality I wanted batting to make sure... average on the wire does not exist, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just, it just makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So I definitely wanted to prioritize those things with my early picks not that the other early picks would, would have been bad but you know power only guys i just feel like i could find that later so mm-hmm. um the nine spot seemed like a really good spot to at least land a guy that i liked um in the first round and i think there were enough hitters at the time that i liked that i felt that i could also get a second guy at um 22 um and so yeah i I mean, the draft starts, Burns gets taken, Cole gets taken. That's great. Otani went at eight, and that would have been a big debate for me. Um, I think heading into this, you know, I liked Otani. I liked Tucker. I liked – I would have went for Witt. I might have went for Bichette, but I was kind of skeptical about how much he was going to be stealing. Um, Otani went at eight. I ended up going with Kyle Tucker at nine, which I felt was as safe as as possible of a pick. Um, on, on, you know, except for maybe his, where he is in the batting order. I know people yeah. like, 
oh, you're taking a guy in the first round, he bats sixth on his team. And I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe this year, but it did end up being that case. But, um, and then Posma actually is in this league and he was on the 11th spot and he took Strider. And I wasn't sure about Strider heading into the year. I'm just kind of gun shy on first year pop-up guys that just vault that high, you know, especially pitching who, where you could, they could, they're just get hurt a little bit easier and, you know, Strider ramped up from being a relief pitcher, but then Posma took him at 11. I'm like, well, I might've been wrong about Strider, you know, <laughs> That's something that I'm learning, you know, on the go. Um, but took took her at nine. It took Tatis at 22. Um, and I know Tatis's ADP was 18. So he fell a little bit and I was really fortunate to get him there. Um, but just really like that combo of, power speed guys tatis was hitting towards the top of the lineup tucker was hitting towards the bottom so maybe my run and rbi balance was pretty good i felt both guys' batting averages were fine um so i really like the start uh yeah so round three definitely need still uh starting pitching help at this point went with i was debating between gossman and castillo i think at the time those were two guys that i really liked um, ended up going with Gossman more for the strikeouts versus, and I know Gossman maybe had a little bit of whip risk, more whip risk than Castillo did. Um, obviously would have, you know, clicked the button as fast as I possibly could if Castillo made it back to me, but he didn't. Um, and so I didn't really know what I was going to do in round four, because I think I was originally going to go starting pitching again, but, um, Albies fell there. Actually, no, actually, I, I picked him a little bit before his ADP, but um, Albies was a guy that I liked kind of as a buy low power speed threat. And there was a lot of uh, Michael Harris fade talk heading into 2023. And I kind of agreed with the Michael Harris fade talk. Um, but if I, I, I wanted to take that a step further and figured, okay, if Michael Harris fails, who benefits in that situation? And I know Albies used to hit it on top of the order before Harris um, came around in 2022. So yep. I just figured, okay, if, I, if I'm if i correct about Michael Harris, then Ozzy Albies is going to be the guy that benefits. Um, and I know we kind of take this approach with um, scouting out closers and seeing like, okay, th if this closer is bad, I'm going to draft his backup. Like that makes sense because then the backup will get the safe chances. Um, I try and find the situation with hitters as well. If there's a hitter that I don't especially like, okay, can I take that another step and find out, find the guy who is going to benefit and try and put together those kind of situations. So Albies yeah. in particular, I think was that kind of um, pick where again, another power speed guy, um, he didn't run as much as I would have liked, but you know, a really good lineup. That's the other thing too. I think, I know projections take this into account, but looking at, looking back at this draft, I drafted a lot of guys on good teams on playoff teams. Um, and that helps with the counting stats that helps with wins. Um, something that maybe not everybody factors in everybody thinks about the player, but the team, those team aspects really, um, yeah. helps and, you know, gives you a little extra here and there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I went Valdez in round five, mm -hmm. um, which was fine. Uh, I think he did he did pretty well this season. Again, I should have prefaced before I went into all this. In order to 
finish high in the main event, there is a lot of good luck and there is a lot of injury good luck as well. Um, these draft picks that we'll touch on, a lot of guys stayed healthy. A lot of guys performed at what we expect them to or exceeded. And luckily I planned it out so that it was a pretty balanced team outside of drafting closers um, and just having them all stay healthy was a huge, huge boost um, into where I finished in the overall standings with my counting stats and, and power and that sort of thing. Um, Valdez in round five, Adelise in round six was, Jeez. that was the weird, the one of the, the first really weird spot for me. Um, so I have three bats and two, two pitchers. I don't really like any of the closers that I see were that, sorry, but it says 55 seconds next <laughs> to the, uh, I have the draft result. Um, oh yeah. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. 55 seconds. So you, de- <laughs> Oh wow. Okay. It was you your longest that. one by far. Actually, no, sorry. I think earlier, no, yeah. The earlier one. Yeah. They were, they were all pretty, pretty quick. And then that one stand out as a, as a full clocker. But I mean, Pick 82, or he max pick in the main event with 86. So, you, you, that yeah, I'm, I'm, and we're at pick 82 right now. Yeah, what a great spot. What a great um, spot. Yeah, so you were not Adelise your kind was, of guy, or just well, Adelise was that guy. Like, I definitely like all these guys up until this point, they were on, like, yes, I want them, they're on my target list. And there are definitely yeah. guys that I was fading, but Adelise, for whatever reason, I would, I like wasn't targeting, targeting him, but I didn't hate it because. What am I looking for in my early bats? I'm looking for power and speed. Um, at least definitely had, I think he got a bad rap heading into last year because of just his play discipline and his batting average risk, which I was aware of. And I was definitely trying to avoid, that was the other thing I picked in my first main, I drafted Kyle Schwarber and I'm like, I'm going to try and avoid like batting average sinks, you know? Yeah. Um, and at least I felt like at his worst, he was like a 230 or 235 hitter. Um, just because I believed in his skills otherwise. Um, good team. Again, I thought he would be, I thought he would run more than what he did. Um, but again, another power speed guy. I didn't like, this is where I started looking at another starting pitcher or, or potentially getting a closer, but I just didn't like what was available. And, you know, that was, at least was that guy that was falling and like, mm-hmm. Technically, I fell into the trap that I was talking about where I just took the guy that was falling. But, you know, it worked out. Um, I don't know. I know Adelise is going earlier this year. I know his ADP is like in the 40s or something. And I'm like, I don't know if I would do that just because now he's not running and he still has that batting average risk. But um, yeah, 40. That's for the that's for the 2024 discussion. But yeah, Adelise, (laughs) obviously, like a very uh, fortunate pick for me. yeah, just, this is the just Rangers in general too. The Rangers, like the Rangers, didn't run um, much. They had one of the lowest stolen base opportunity attempt rates. Actually, they did have the lowest in the league at four percent. League averages six point four, and that was minus four percent from their average last year. So that was a, definitely like a team wide thing. Because I think even Simeon went down. Right. Um, just even their raw attempts went from 169 last year to 98 this year. So might just been it might have just been a philosophy for the, the actual team. And plus he got hurt. Right. I mean, he had that knee injury. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I think, yeah, the ADP now is interesting at 44 because 
obviously the potential is there. Well, I mean, he has done the 40 homer thing. So I guess the offset is, all right, we still eight bases instead of 15, but again, yeah. that's 20 to 20, 20, 24 discussion. But I, I, I was, I was analyzing a little bit of Adelise this year, but the Ranger thing caught my eye as, as the team that dropped so many attempts, um, from last year to this year where, where everybody else was like, Hey, we're going to run more. And the, uh, you know, the Rangers were like, I think there were the, um, there was four teams that decreased in stone based opportunity attempt race. The Marlins, the angels by a small amount, 0.3%, but the Giants by 2% and the Rangers. So every other team increased. <laughs> their opportunity. Wow. Yeah, of course. And, and the Rangers like, nah, we, we, nah. I guess maybe that's what it is. Like you got a slugging team one through nine and, and you're just like, all right, well, we don't, uh, you know, we don't need to, you know, that a boat you is like, nah, just hit the ball. You know? Yeah. Right. It's the, op- <laughs> it's the opposite with, I know. Um, so I, I live in the Cleveland area. So with the guardians, obviously they've always been a very light team on power, but they, they run a lot, you know, from what I've seen as a team. So I think it's just, they're just trying to play to their strengths. You know, right. I think that's kind of what Texas went with in that situation. 100%. Um, okay, yeah. So. Adelise and Adelise in round six was not a guy, uh, you know, the next day, if I would have guessed who I picked, I'd Adelise would not have been on the list, but just felt like he fit what I was going for, for a hitter. So while I didn't like picking a guy that was falling, because I feel like that never works, at least the guy that I am picking, he fits what I'm looking for um, in, in with early hitting. So that's what I justified to myself in those 55 seconds. That's so funny. You have the time because <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I'm usually, I, I, I have my cue. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really waste. I usually have a plan and yeah, that pick, I, I just didn't think Adelise was going to make it. I was just in there and there he was. Um, there he was. Yeah, there he was. So um, round seven, Took my SP3 in Kershaw. Obviously nice. had a he had a stellar stellar first half. Um, you know, safe. I think I was trying to maybe justify balancing Gossman's ratio risk and Valdez's ratio risk with Kershaw, who I felt like I, you know, he didn't he might not have had the bulk as far as those guys, but I just kind of knew that his ratios would have been better and could have offset what Gossman and Valdez were putting out there. Um, again, another good good pitcher on a good team gonna get wins um melendez in round eight uh catcher that was gonna get a lot of plate appearances thought he would do better than what he did um only 16 home runs he hit you know i guess he was fine even though he stayed healthy the whole year um i think think Kaufman just killed him yeah i I mean mean, i think i i think i would be in on him again you know but Oh no, he's not, gonna be outfield. That's right. Not a catcher anymore. Oh, yeah. Shoot. yeah, it's gonna yeah. be different. Yeah, I mean the ADP is juicy regardless because I mean he's still it's a two uh two fifty one right now. Um mm-hmm. and and just his ability to hit the ball super hard and, and, and such a young player, I think is it still makes it um you know somewhat tolerable. But yeah, you know, losing that catcher is uh him and Varsho, to it's big. It's two. It's two big losses there. But, yeah, it's um, gonna be. It's, it's gonna be weird to see their names, and it's weird to see Harper at the first base to as well. You know, 
<laughs> and who knows if he gets outfield, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Melendez an eight, round nine. Um, this was my first – I went with Christian Walker. First bat that was more of a pure power play. I thought it would help kind of balance what I've had before with all the speed guys. And, you know, I didn't know if Tucker or Tatis or Garcia would have 30 home run power, but I did bank on Christian Walker providing that. Yeah. Um, and he chipped in with 11 steals, which was huge. Un- kind of unreal. Um, I think he had more he had more stolen bases than at least. And Albies had 13. I mean, like he was <laughs> he was a source of steals that I wasn't expecting. Fantastic. Um, and then round so round 10 is coming around, and I do have the itch to take another pitcher starting pitching, but um I took Nico on my other main, and I just liked what Nico provided for that price. Um, a guy that had a pretty good batting, high, nice high batting average floor, was going to run, was going to be hitting a top of a lineup that I thought had potential to improve from the previous year in round 10. Um, and especially with after taking Christian Walker, if you if you marry together Christian Walker and Nico Horner's stats, I mean, it's like, you know, a thousand plate appearance, you know, you know, thousand plate appearances of 90 runs, you know, on average, 90 runs, 21 homers, 24 steals, you know, 90 RBI and a 275 average for each guy. If you average those two together, I just really liked their, how they complement each other. Um, and then I knew that, okay, I really need to, I really need to rest starting pitching with at least one guy or, or closing, because again, I haven't taken a closer yet. (laughs) Um, kind of, you know, again, kind of my plan because I took Presley early in my first main. Um, but I was obviously aware of having not addressed that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. round 11, um, I set I set them in on Nathan Ivaldi. I took him at pick 159. Ivaldi's main event ADP was 193. Wow. Pretty, pretty big reach on my part. But again, trying to provide some context, I I needed another starting pitcher. Um, wasn't sure if he was going to make it back to me. Um, I know got the guy at, on the 15 wheel had only two starting pitchers at that point, and. I just figured he was going to take him or, or somebody. Um, and I don't know if that's what his ADP was at the time, if that ended up being was as big of a reach at the time, but just liked Evaldi's skills. I just needed him to stay healthy. Um, maybe it's bad process that I paired Evaldi with Kershaw and that they were both injury risks. Um, not sure, but again, another player that I thought was on a good team. And I just thought he was going for, too cheap for what his skill was. Um, and maybe there's part of me that was hoping that whatever Texas did with Lance Lynn and keeping him healthy and turning his career around, I thought maybe Uvalde would be the same. Um, but again, no, again, no relief pitching yet. Um, round 12, I drafted Daniel Bard. Cause I Daniel thought, Bard, here we uh, go. Hey, he's a closer. <laughs> 
he has the job. There's no way that anybody else in that Rockies bullpen is better than Daniel Barr. No way. Um, <laughs> I drafted zero. I, dra- I drafted zero saves with that pick. Zero saves. Um, Amazing, right? And that was a guy that was, again, that was a guy that was falling in ADP. There was injury concerns. He wasn't doing well in spring training. Um, but the problem was I had him on a couple teams in 2022 and I, you know, struck gold. I'm like, ah, I, he's the same guy, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a decent price in round 12. Um, but there's subconscious uh, uneasiness with that pick because I followed up in round 13, setting them in once again on Michael Fulmer. One save from Michael one Fulmer. Save. <laughs> Because I, I thought Michael Fulmer, this is the guy in the Chicago bullpen. He is, you know, I I, I had Soto on a couple teams last year, and I was worried about Fulmer being in Detroit. Um, he gets a job in Chicago. I'm like, who's he? who does he have to compete with? Brad Boxberger? <laughs> you know, like, I really thought Fulmer was the guy in Chicago. Um, I set them in on him on that. I picked him at 189. His ADP ended up being 221. Um so again, we'll we'll talk more about how I tried to address saves in, in, during the season. But so far, we've drafted one save, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to go through the rest of the picks. But that's just kind of the base of my team heading into the season. Um, I drafted the best of the rest, I would say, um, Kettle Marte in round 14. Um, for those okay. keeping track, for those keeping track at home, now I have four middle infielders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I haven't addressed outfield um, in since the Adelise pick in round six. So yeah. that was a pick where I made. I just loved, um, again, kind of a, a unique skill set where he has, he, you know, he, I can trust him for a decent average. He hits at the top of the lineup. Um, I didn't expect the power that he ended up putting out. He put out 24 home runs for me in my lineup. Um, but just kind of made the decision on the fly there that, okay, I'm going to move Tatis to the outfield. And so right. I, I mean, Jesus, having a Tucker Tatis Adelise outfield um, was pretty insane and fun for this yeah, for this season. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, just just a reminder to keep your options open in the draft because you never know who's going to be available, and you never know. Obviously, having positional eligibility guys um, can be is is can be a beneficiary for for that reason. Um, yep, Absolutely. drafted. Eflin in round 15, obviously, you know, killer pick, gem pick for me. Again, just lucky. I mean, this this is going to go down as the best draft probably that I'll have in my life. Like, <laughs> just really, I had everybody, a lot of, there's a lot of good health and a lot of good fortune. Um, no, it just really, rallied 14 to 21. Like, you just, I mean, leagues are won on these picks, in my opinion. Yeah. Marte, Eflin, Yandi, Soler, Paredes. Like, mm-hmm. those are huge, huge guys to just pick apart right here in the middle of rounds 14 to 21. Those guys were just fantastic, you know? And, like, if you – they carry so much weight, those picks. Those are my favorite rounds to really make the difference that's going to make or break a team. You know, and I had so many – too many fucking Benintendis in that area mm-hmm. this year that I'm like, oh, got to change that. But we fucking nailed those picks right there. Yeah, and then nothing after around 21. 
I mean, I yeah, that's okay. I took, I took, okay. I took <laughs> you know, I, I there's a lost a lot of people that are like, yep, I took the 20, the round 28, whoever, and I, you know, it worked out. Um, I did take Bayo in 22, who I used for a lot of the season, but yeah, outside of that, yeah, nothing special after round 22. So, that's um, fine. That's that's where you're gonna turn, right? I mean, you're gonna yeah, turn the sure. roster. I mean, you'd like to, yeah, nail. You know, I'd always like to, like, oh, nail like a spec pick. You know, I think like AJ Minter, I think was was like my one of my later round picks in uh, the first main I did because it was up in the air about Rysel, and I was like surprised that he hadn't gone yet. You know, I guess everyone was still, but just you know, this like you said, you're hoping to get one of those, um, or like if I. I think I did have a Brad Boxberger late. It was just like, oh, maybe he's going to get a shot again. You know, you take those kind of guys. But really, at first or second week, those guys are out regardless. Yeah. Like I tried I tried Taylor Rogers in around 24. Just mm-hmm. thought maybe he might be the guy. I wasn't sure on Duvall heading into this year. Me too. Yeah. I was wrong. Draft. Dropped him. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of Taylor Rogers on my draft champions that just ended up being, well, not useless. Because he actually ended up pitching like, you know, fairly well um at spurt of the year but just uh not not what i needed i needed saves <laughs> he didn't get yeah. anything anything yeah. at all um but yeah great job there in that in that spot of the draft and it's just huge like i said added to that beast that you had up top it's just uh that's money it doesn't matter what happens from 22 on because the first 22 is you know good enough perfect you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I just felt like i had a at least from the offensive side of things, a pretty good balance across the board with everybody. Um, just kind of pairing, thinking, I think I probably paired Yandi and Solaire in my mind as well, just because I thought that they complement each other really well and what they provide. Solaire is one of those guys that I would draft early. I would draft late, but I don't think I would draft early. Um, I know he has some big seasons and some really, and some injury riddled seasons, and I would just, I, I end up drafting those guys when their price is really low um, and just trying to buy low on them versus, I, you know, I don't know if I'll be in on Solaire in 2024 just because he could just go back down to being injured and empty power, you know, yeah. um, on a team that is okay, but I don't know what his counting stats will be like. Even, even on my team, he hit 33 homers, but... Um, he only had 67 runs and 69 RBIs. Um, yeah, it was just something to consider in 2024. Guys that are coming off down years, if they're if their price is cheap, take a take a shot at them. Like I don't know if this is like the the Byron Buxton uh, dilemma in 2024, but mm-hmm. right. you know if, if his price is like super cheap, like I'm gonna take a shot because it's pick 200 something and not. Yep, you know, second or third round or whatever he was going in 2022 and 2021. Vinny P is like another guy that comes to mind, like 193. And obviously, he got the shoulder surgery and all, but just you know, the um, Ron Chandler every year when I started reading Baseball HQ was like one of the first articles he put out early in the season, and he had like a style called extreme regression drafting and basically just said you could. Just, just, just subtract ADP from one year into the next, and really target those players. Like that went from sixty to two twenty. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, mm-hmm. what happened here? And um, even if there was just some small signs of life, uh, you know, just there's a good percentage play that those players are, aren't just 
all of a sudden horrible and not worth that high value. It's just um, obviously everyone is, you know, has their own specific case, but that's such a, that's always been ingrained in my head. And it's, it's something I, I'm definitely looking at as I'm doing, you know, the, the draft champions now, just seeing those, those big disparities in, in players from a hundred picks, uh, you know, to 150 calls for Don. All of a sudden, everyone thinks he's terrible, you know, for, for a couple of, Couple of you know, fifty not so great innings. Um, it just doesn't, yeah. it it doesn't change him that much, you know. It's just, um, if it was a twenty twenty two season, you know, everyone would be like ah, it was you know it was a short season, you know, but it's stuck in in the middle of a long season, so uh, everyone's maybe weighing it a little too much. But um, fun stuff. So yeah, so let's get into your in season moves right here. Obviously, you just laid out that you definitely. Need- needed to get saved um and that was something too in the discord that was really cool to uh see unfold you know constantly um you know just 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 poking out like what you accumulated and saves on the wire and everyone was like man like i haven't been able to get saves at all on the wire (laughs) yeah i mean this year of all years you know like if you left the draft and you didn't draft one of the top guys if you can't you know i I've I've never I think I think in my mind I think I was okay with being light on saves coming out of the draft because I just kind of figured like I'm gonna be active I'm gonna be watching bullpens I'm gonna be speculating on guys all season um, I just kind of really leaned into it I know that in order to compete I know some people talk about um, building a team. Well, how do you how do you draft for an overall versus drafting for a single a single league? Um, and again, kind of taking into account what you want to do with your in season management, what you want to do with your fab, and knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Um, I talked about you know the amount of good luck that I've had, uh, and I think you kind of make your own luck if you're looking at guys and and speculating on guys within your strength of whatever your in-season waiver uh, uh you know analysis is um you know i didn't have any pop-up offensive guys on this team i didn't have any hassan kim cody bellinger lane thomas nolan jones you know i didn't i didn't have those guys because traditionally that hasn't been my strength um i like kind of picking an offensive base or drafting an offensive base um, and speculating kind of more on the pitching side of things. And then with, with this team, I, I knew that I needed saves help and I needed saves help right, you know, immediately. Um, and I don't know if we'll go through every single pick that I, and every sort of fab attempt that I made, but at the end of the day, I had to make 30 fab moves related to relief pitching you know, pickups, specs, whatever. And it cost me $387. So that sounds like a lot, but also there are people that spent that much or more on one guy. On one guy, right, right. Um, yep. Which luckily I didn't have to do with this team because I I had really solid starters. I mean, Gossman, Valdez, Kershaw, Eovaldi, Eflin, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the first half. I was again insanely uh insanely running running really well in the first half with those guys so i didn't end up diving in on starting pitching in the first half with all of those multi hundred dollar um prospects that came up and so 
I really did embrace and lean into speculating on saves and making it a part of my every week process. Um, so yeah, as, as the season got started, um, really good offensive base. I was, it was, you know, the beginning of June or so I ended up, I climbed all the way into the top 10 of the main in the beginning of June, um, and was leading the main in runs, home runs and RBIs. And with home runs and RBIs, especially I had like a 10 home run lead on the number two overall team or like a 20 RBI lead on the number two overall team. Like, and looking at it as it was happening, I'm like, how is this possible? I don't have medals and I don't have Otani. I don't have Pete Alonso. How, how, where's all this power coming from? But the next wave of guys at least obviously Albies was, you know, Albies had a healthy season up until August. And when he was hurt in August, I remember he had like 27 homers, which was yep. more than Acuna at the time. Like Albies was putting in the power too, that I don't know if anybody was really expecting. And then with RBI, well, and Soler as well. And then Albies, Tucker, Garcia, Soler were the next, like as far as like RBI leaders were concerned, they were the rest of the top 10 after the Otanis and Matt Olson and Pete Alonso's of the world. Um, so it was really fortunate to be r- ranked really highly in that early on. And so I, here I am, I'm, it's June and I'm in the top 10 and you can't help but think not you, you can't help but look at the overall standings at that point um and i know that's probably looking at it a little early i'm sure everybody's still kind of focused on their league but i almost like had to start looking at the overall that early because i was up there and i was just like very curious as to like wait well, let's see what i actually need here to just be in contention and i know there's a lot of names when i was up there a lot of names come up and then a lot of names drop down and new names come up and new names that come down. But my floor for the team started out. So I just had, I had high floor with the team because I was, had so many points in runs, home runs and RBIs. Like I didn't have as much fluctuation as a lot of the guys up there. Um, so couldn't, couldn't help, but be looking at the overall from that point on. Um, and I know, like, I know Slack's team, you know, they were in, I forget what, they had a screenshot at the end of May. They were at 300th or something Yeah. In, at the end of May. And I think that's more of the route that higher finishing teams take is they just, they just go up and up. They just have this massive spike up throughout the whole season and they end up at the top. Whereas I was at the top early and I ended up staying there, which I think is, kind of a unique uh, scenario just based off of all the other teams that I was seeing um, up in the top 10. Um, it was around this point where I thought the highlight of my season would be, I actually got a shout out in Todd Whitestone's waiver watch article on FTN. Um, Posma's in my league and at still at this point in June, Posma's winning all five of his main events. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was the first yeah. guy. I was in, in two of them. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was the first guy in any of Posma's leagues to pass him in <laughs> in his league. So Todd gave me a special shout out and was like, yeah. hey, Brandon, "Brandon King's the first one to dethrone Posma in his league." And I thought that would be like 
that's all that's so cool i got a, i got a shout out in his article mm -hmm. um i thought that was gonna Great. be the highlight of my my year and he he definitely mentioned me a couple times just being like the guy who took down posma you know i did i don't want to be that guy <laughs> i don't want to have that kind of target on my back but um yeah so that that's where so that i'm in it's june my my pitching is really really strong my power is really really strong um saves and stolen bases are weak for me uh and stolen bases was kind of surprising i had about 200 ish points at this point in stolen bases and i look back at my guys and i'm like Wait a second. I drafted Tucker, Tatis, Albies, Garcia, Nico. These guys should all be running. I shouldn't be weak in stolen bases. Um, so I didn't try to panic and get stolen base guys yet. But I will admit to you that I picked up Victor Robles twice. I picked up Mondesi mm -hmm. once. Um, I spent $13 on a David Hamilton. Um, David did, Hamilton, you know, in, in Boston, just because he stole a couple bases um, one weekend. <laughs> I did, I did pick Jankowski twice, um, which the second time around, I, you know, I he started for me with 100, almost 100 at bats. He got me six steals. He was hitting up in the Texas order while Seager was hurt. Um, so I was kind of looking at stolen bases, but again, I didn't want to mix. I didn't want to mess up with miss the the base of my offensive team. Um, if I, if I had to, I didn't want to be picking up rabbits and, uh, draft picking up guys for just steals quite yet. Um, I just kind of felt that stolen bases, um, would be coming around eventually. Uh, saves though, I had been trying, um, looking back at my saves acquisitions at this point, um, I picked up Jose Alvarado on April 2nd before, the kind of the week before he was a big pickup for everybody. Um, I got five saves out of him. I picked up Adbert Alzale for $2 on April 9th. Oh man. And, uh, so, you know, you can imagine how much that has been in my mind, uh, for the second half of the season. Uh, you know, later on when I need saves, I feel like it was Adbert Alzale and Kyle Finnegan getting, a save every single night in like July and August. Um, the, the, with Alvarado, it was, I just thought he was the most skilled guy in the pen at the time. Um, I wasn't, I was a Sir Anthony Dominguez guy in the preseason. Um, and I drafted him on my other main, but just felt like Alvarado had the skills. I felt like Alzale had the skills as well, but it was tricky because in April, he was more of the first reliever out of the pen kind of guy versus a late late inning option for the Cubs at the time. And I was very aware of the Cubs situation because I drafted Fulmer. Um, so I just kind of speculate on him, but unfortunately I dropped him at the end of April because he just wasn't even close to getting the role yet. Um, and so I can, you know, I can beat myself up about drafting a guy that ended up getting a ton of saves later on in the season, but at the time I just didn't see the path um, you know, for, uh, for saves at that point. Um, I did spend $62 on Bruce Targratterall on April 23rd. There we go. <laughs> um, I thought that 
he had gotten a save or two leading up to this fab period, and I thought that um, Phillips was going to be the eighth inning guy or the high leverage guy, and Gratterall was finally going to get some saves, so I kind of spent up on him. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, but then I had the I had, did have the fortune of Kimbrel becoming available um, on my team uh, in on waivers in May 14th. I I picked him up for sixty one dollars. Uh, he got me 19 saves, 2.29 ERA, 0.96 WHIP, just a godsend, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alvarado was hurt. I think at this point, I think he got on the, I think he landed on the IL maybe a couple days before then, and I just thought that it was kind of a hold both guys and see who who, who comes up with the role once Alvarado comes back. Um, but Kimbrel ended up keeping it and running away with it. Um, so I had him in tow. I did have um, picked up Kendall Graveman for 12 bucks on May 21st. It was only 12 because there was um, speculation that Liam Hendricks was going to come back in a few weeks and that it was just a temporary thing. But again, I, 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 I you know, I, I was kind of just trying to pick up saves here, or there as many as I could. Um, Graveman got me five saves. Um, that same period, AJ Puck, I picked him up for $38. He was actually drafted by Posma, but Posma dropped him because Posma has Alexis Diaz and David Robertson on his roster. So, mm. you know, he's fine in saves. Again, this guy, you know, insane drafter. He's like, ah, AJ Puck, I don't need AJ Puck. I got <laughs> two closers already. <laughs> I think he dropped him in one of my leagues too. I think in our auction league or something. He, I remember him dropping puck at a moment where everyone was definitely looking for some saves. Yeah. And puck for at the time, I think he was like, he was hurt, but he wasn't like end of gone for the season hurt. Um, and I was just kind of a pick him up and hold and see if I can get him when he comes back. So for reference, I picked him up on May 21st. His first save back was June 11th, so I did have to wait a couple weeks. But um, he got me eight saves, but he gave me an 80 RA and a 1.5 whip. Um, I think that's the other thing that I didn't realize with – well, I did realize, but just seeing those numbers at the end of the season, you know, speculating on saves can really damage your ratios along the way. Um, and I was, so I was really – leaning on my starting pitching to keep my ratios um, pretty clean. So I felt like I was able to afford to take as many shots as possible at saves and, um, you know, hold off on any longstanding ratio damage. Um, but I had, in, in, in the best of times, I had Kimbrel and Graveman and Puck. And I thought that for a, for a bit there, I'm like, okay, I think I got my saves taken care of. Um, kind of towards the middle of the season, um, around so the All Star break, I I at the All Star break, I was second overall in the main with this team, um, and this is kind of when I started to take steals a little more seriously because again, I was still kind of low in that. You know, I it's it's hard to say. Oh, I'm ch- I I got I'm chasing steals. I gotta I gotta help in steals when you have out of 795 teams, 
you know, you have 300 points or 400 points in steals. Like that's not too bad, but compared to the rest of my offensive categories, I felt like I need more steals. I need more steals. Like I just felt like I just kept chasing that category. Yeah. Um, even though maybe I didn't need to, but um, I, st- I definitely made some aggressive thought cuts that I thought were appropriate at the time for more guys that could run. Um, for example, I had Michael Conforto on this team. I think in a 15-team league, if you have a guy who's getting full-time or close to full-time at bats, like that's a guy that you're starting in most situations. But with the offensive base that I had, and Conforto is not a guy who's running. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to cut him. Um, the next week, somebody picked him up for 62 bucks. You know, he was one of those like 98% owned in the main guys that somebody else ended up spending money on for him. Um, and I've never done the whole, I've never done the thing where you, well, I'm going to drop a guy so that I hope somebody else spends their fab money on him. Next level oh. thinking. Like, I've never, <laughs> you know, I've never done anything like that. Um, I'll have another example of that later um, where, I think it worked out for me actually pretty well, but um, you know, that never made sense to me, but I do think if you're competing in these overalls and these large contests, you are really trying to optimize your roster to attack the statistics that you need. Um, In Conforto, he was just a guy at the time. So, you know, he could have been of use to somebody else, but for me where I'm like going for the overall and I'm trying to, spec on every possible guy for saves and every any bench hitters i had i were were more steals guys he just wasn't a fit for me on my roster um yeah again we're still we're still specking on closers here um 31 on daniel bard just you know wanted to give it another try (laughs) on july 9th (laughs) just just trying you know again i tried I, I tried Denilson Lamette for four bucks at the end of May because I thought, oh, Denilson Lamette, you know, hey, he could be the, the Rockies closer. You know, he's I could see him excelling in a in a in a one inning role, but obviously that went nowhere. Um, again, I really I really leaned into just taking as many shots as I could on saves and a lot of misses, but um, some hits as well. Uh so the trade deadline comes around and I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going to get my saves. Uh, you know, I got to drop Graveman at this point cause he got traded. I got to drop puck because he's not doing very well and he's losing the role. So now I just have Kimbrel, but here comes a trade deadline. Um, gave picked up Brooks Raley for 34, Jojo Romero for 15 Jojo. and and Yumi Garcia for six. And I'm not sure why I picked up Yumi Garcia. I thought maybe he would be the guy uh, in Toronto because of Romano's injury, perhaps. Um, but Brooks really maybe the most infuriating um, guy that I had to roster all season because I don't think he recorded a save on my team. But I thought he was the guy. But then I'm starting him, and he's not getting saves. Picked up Gregory Santos as well. There's a, so there's a time where I'm chasing saves and I have Kimbrel, Santos, and Rayleigh. And they're they're not getting as many saves as I need. And my Ks are starting to suffer. Because with every with, with every week, I'm I'm looking at how I'm doing in the overall. I'm looking at where how my points points are fluctuating. Um, 
and my case start dropping and I'm like, how is this possible? Mm. Like, um, I know there are some, you know, there are some injuries and some guys underperforming, but the fact that I was rolling out three relief pitchers and who weren't getting saves and also not many K's, um, you know, I, I started to have to kind of change how I was approaching my starting pitching um, and really making sure that I wasn't going for saves too hard, which, um, yeah, there's definitely weeks in July and August where I just, I'm like, I need saves, I need saves, but I, I was putting suboptimal guys in my starting lineup looking for saves and my case started to suffer. Um, so I, as far as tough cut, again, with more, some more tough cuts, um, noticed my K's were dropping, wanted to try to pick up guys that were striking more guys out, even if maybe they weren't the most talented um, pitchers. Cause again, I was banking on my ratios holding up with the base that I had drafted. Um, and also any extra roster spots that I had, I'm just going to keep dedicating to more closers that I'm churning through. Um, so in August, dropped Brian Wu. I had Brian Wu, dropped him because I was hurt, even though I figured he'd be back. Again, I just didn't have the roster space. Just was trying to spec on as many closers as I could or in, and also hold speed guys. Um and I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm specking on like the Ronaldo, like on August 6th, I, I specked on Ronaldo Lopez for $4. Again, this was a week or two before he almost got the job in LA. Um, with the Angels, that's, this is when they were still all in as far as winning was concerned. Estevez was looking shaky. Um, really thought that Ronaldo might actually get the, might actually get the gig. Mm. Yeah. And uh, with the Angels and it didn't end up working or he didn't end up getting the gig, but these were the kind of shots that I was taking. Even guys that were just being a week ahead on just trying to see who could potentially lose their job in the future. Just a scenario that this guy is going to get the role. Um, even if the percent chance of it is happening is low, but I'm only spending single digits on all these guys. Um, I think that, looking back on not drafting relief pitching, I know people want to take their closers early because they're like, I don't want to spend so much. Uh, I don't want to drop a hundred dollars on a closer if some guy ends up getting the job. But in the main event, everybody is speculating on everyone. And outside of, I'm trying to think outside of uh, the Felix Bautista injury, was there a guy that was readily available due to injury that commanded a triple digit bid. And again, this might be because of how 2023 was and how there wasn't a lot of turnover, but I just think main event bidders are generally ahead of the curve when, it, as far as next guys up. So I, I think those, the, the, the amount of times that a triple digit bid is actually warranted for somebody doesn't end up happening because they're already rostered on somebody's team. Yep. Yep. So such a good point. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with, you know, I, I saw for, for me, that reason doesn't hold as much water as it normally would um, for not drafting guys. So again, I'm just taking, I'm, that's where I'm, what, that's what I'm doing. And I know that's what a lot of other main event, main event drafters are doing. 
um, a lot of speculating, a lot of single digit bids, trying to just stay ahead. Um, losing where I was here. So one another really big uh, pickup for me, the guy that I spent the most money on was Tarek Skubal. Yep. Again, a guy that this is where when I recognized that my K's were dropping, I had extra I had, you know, extra money in the bank. Um, I wasn't sitting on a ton. I know that I remember specifically when Ellie when Ellie came up and I was thinking about picking up going for him. I remember specifically I had four hundred ninety two dollars and um the guy who ended up getting him in my league, he went for 490. But I did put in a bit of 357 for Ellie. Um, and looking back, I'm glad I didn't get him because at the guy at the time I was like, I need steals. Oh my gosh, he can play in my corner, my corner spot, which is kind of one of my weak spots, my roster. Oh, I can get steals from this guy. And you know, the Ellie hype was out of control at that point. Um, but so glad I didn't get him because picking up Scoobal for 152. Um, I definitely overbid for him a little bit because my runner, the guy in my league, the runner-up bid was $80 less or $70 less. But just, you know, when Kershaw was hurt and Eovaldi was hurt and Valdez all of a sudden wasn't striking guys out, Scooble, like, um, really big pickup for me. You know, 72 innings, 91 Ks, 7 wins, 3 ERA, a sub-1 whip. Um, probably one of my more valuable pickups. Just, I think that I know you're a big Scooble uh, Faber as well yourself. Yep. Yeah. Just every single week. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know, I know, I think I'm sure people will see his ADP for 2024 and think it's too high. I forget where it is. It's at 52. Think, oh, that's so high. But I don't know, man. Scooble, he might be the truth. I, I kind of believe it just on the surface. And I know it's, it's biased because he's on my team, but um, love him. He is, he is the truth. Uh, and, and I ha I had the date circled for when he might come back. And every time I thought of bidding some more money on someone previously in the year, it was always like, Scoobles coming back, Scoobles coming back, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I remember saying it, like, just like, all right, guys, get ready. You know, just he's, he's, he's coming back. And I know it's the Tigers, but. Still got seven wins, you know, in his 15 starts. Um, the the, the two seven Sierra, 15% swing strike rate, like 30% ball percentage, and 36% O swing. He did every single metric you'll look at for a pitcher and completely mm -hmm. dominated it in his first spin back, you know, from, from, uh, you know, his injury, throwing faster, throwing, going from 94 to 95, eight, just, Unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the ADP is fine. I really do. And this, uh, I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> those are top SP numbers and, and you can get them in the fifth round, you know? Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think we had a nice two start. I think we got to see him for two starts for a bit on him, right? I don't did. Sure. Yes, yeah. I think. Yep. 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 And I think maybe the second one wasn't also great or maybe it was enough to like make I know. I know it wasn't enough to uh, make everyone super excited, right? And um, so, uh, yeah, Scooble was huge for me this year. Was every team, even if I felt confident in, in my pitching staff, I was like, no, that's okay. It's just adding him, and I'll worry about it later.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my other pitching wise, again, I'm, I'm hurting K's a little bit. Scuba was a big help with that. Um, and I want to again emphasize good luck and good fortune again here with the <laughs> with the Cole Reagan situation yep. that I had. Um, so if you recall with Reagan's, there was kind of his first wave of pickups, and then the next week he got picked up in every other league, except in my league, the guy who picked him up in the first week dropped him in the second week. Yep. Um, I don't know if I know Reagan's had a two start week that week. And I know his second start wasn't um, the best, but then entering, you know, this third week, he, he's only available in my league. Um, and again, I kind of looked at my team. I needed strikeouts. Reagan's wasn't, I don't know if the full Reagan's hype had been unleashed yet. Um, again, Nick Pollock was in my ear on this one, just like, this guy's this guy's another guy who's the truth. He's 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 for, he's the real deal. Um, I know he had a really good start against the Red Sox before this as well. Um, and he becomes available, and I'm like, again, I'm kind of I I have the the most money in my league, or I'm close to it. Um, so I ended up I ended up going for Reagan's for twenty two dollars. The thing was at the time, again, I'm going for strikeout upside. And so I dropped Brian Bayo, who, I don't know. I mean, Brian Bayo was probably a top, what, 60 starting pitcher? You know, like a guy who most teams are starting every week. Mm -hmm. um, but he just wasn't getting the case for me. And I took a shot on Reagan's because I saw his strikeout upside. He's putting, he's consistently putting up 30% CSWs. And Bayo's not even getting to like twenty five percent. Like Reagan's has this. Reagan's has the stuff. I'm gonna gamble on the strikeout upside because that's what my team needs. And um, again, competing in the main overall, every if I can scrape together any point that I can, um, I'm gonna give it a try. So picked up Reagan's, dropped Bayo. Obviously worked out. <laughs> 37 innings, 48 Ks, 2.6 ERA, 0.88 whip. Um, admittedly, I wasn't on the train to begin with, but I got a second chance, and I'm really happy that I didn't mess up the second chance. Um, but again, good luck. These are the little things that, you know, help you finish as high as I did. I, You know, there's, there's skill that's involved, but again, a ton of luck. I don't think I can emphasize that enough. Um, I dropped Brian Bayo. The next week, the guy who I was competing with money-wise in the league picked him up for $84 at the end of August. Wow. Which is a lot of money. Um, yeah. And I know, like I said, I don't I don't drop guys so that other people buy them for a lot of money. But in that specific scenario, all of a sudden now I have a, a decently comfortable lead in FAB in my league, um, which I think was really important for some other pickups that I had. Um, so big, yeah. Just <laughs> having that flexibility. I know during the season, I think everybody gets a little bit of FOMO if they didn't jump in on the Taj Bradleys and Mason Millers and um the B Tanner Bybees of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard to sit on the sidelines and not throw down some money for these guys because they're exciting at the time. But I I really tried to be disciplined with my spending. 
it helped that I had a nice stable of starting pitching at the time that I didn't have to go for those guys. Um, but really, really beneficial at the end to have the flexibility and to have the extra money. Um, and I think a lot of, I know a lot of people on podcasts are already talking about, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to save my money again. I'm not going to spend so much and get it hyped up, but, um, yeah, we'll just confirm that. Yes, it is nice to have money at the end, <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, so I, cause at the end of August, I picked up, uh, Alex Lang and I was able to pick up Tanner Scott and Huge. between, you know, I, Scott, I, you know, I spent 29 bucks on him cause I, I could, and I just wanted to make sure that I got him. Alex Lang was a tricky one because like Foley had the job, but I think, I think he got an, a save opportunity that Sunday where yeah, cause normally, Foley was unavailable. Yeah. And yeah. I just kind of thought in my mind, I'm like, what if, but again, if. these are, I, I'm looking at, again, I need saves. I'm looking at every bullpen and I'm thinking about every possible situation. Yeah. I'm like, wait a sec. I know AJ Hinch likes having one guy. Lang was the guy. What if he only needs to see Lang have one clean outing to be like, you know what? I think Lang's ready to go back in the role. Yep. This is just what I'm thinking to myself, right or wrong, you know. Um, just looking for guys that have paths to saves, even if it's like a five or ten percent chance of them happening. Um, but yeah, I so I once I have Kimbrell, Lang, and Tanner Scott in tow with Scooble and Reagans and Gossman and healthy hitting. Um, I had dropped to maybe like 10th or so in the main at this point, but I really thought that this is where if all goes well, I can make a run. Um, and I didn't have like a, I knew I needed to calculate with the overall standings. You know, I, I knew I was behind by X amount of points. I knew I had to gain amount some points in each category. Um, and I was trying to figure out where, where I needed to go to get those points in September. Um, and so I did want to share like just a very unscientific way of how I calculated with the, with the points that I needed to gain. Um, just kind of as an example of what I, what I tried. And again, this might be right or wrong, whatever. But, um, so like theoretically, let's say I was 500 points behind the overall leader. I knew I couldn't gain that many points in saves, but I figured, okay, I could gain maybe 200 points in saves, maybe 200 points in stolen bases. Um, let's say 75 points in strikeouts. Maybe I, you know, my, my ratios stick together. Maybe I can hope for 25 points there. Um, and then I hope to maintain in other categories. So again, very unscientific. I'm not accounting for any kind of loss in the other categories. Um, no, but I think that's a good approach and like not like realizing you're not just going to get it in one spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I have, right. you know, I have like, let's say I have five weeks to go and I'm 500 points behind. So like try and gain a hundred points a week and that's not even factoring in the guys ahead of me might fall, you know, so it might end up, I might end up needing less. Um, and so I roughly tried to calculate how many of each category I needed on a per week basis in order to gain those points between, you know, five weeks to go over the season to the end. Um, so like for saves, for example, um, say I wanted to gain 200 points in saves in the last five weeks of the season. 
I looked at the teams ahead of me that were 200 points ahead of me. And uh, let's say they were 12 saves ahead of what I currently have. And they were 200 points ahead of me, which was about where um, the saves point jumps were happening, probably about 20 points uh, a save or so. So I just looked back at their saves number. Okay, we're 20 weeks into the season. And those teams are doing about 2.9 saves per week. Again, maybe this point range, maybe they are punting saves, so now they're doing less saves a week. Maybe they're emphasizing saves, maybe it's more a week, but I think that number would only change by a couple tenths here or there. So I'm just going to roughly say that with five weeks left, teams that are 200 points ahead of me, 2.9 saves a week times five, that's about 15 saves. So if they are accruing 15 saves in the next five weeks, and I am 12 saves behind them, I need to accrue 27 saves in the next five weeks in order to pull up next to them at that 200 point threshold that I'm looking at. So then, okay, I need 27 saves for five weeks to go. Then I need like five or six saves a week. And so every Sunday I would do this with every category and I'd play around at the point balances. And then I would kind of figure out, okay, I need nine or 10 steals a week. I need 60 Ks a week. Um, what, how, how does my starting lineup look? Do I think I can achieve, achieve these numbers? Uh, what kind of fab moves do I need to make to help me accomplish those numbers? And slowly but surely it worked out that I was able to climb up the standings. I think maybe into the last week or so, I was, uh, I think a hundred points behind, um, Slack and Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I threw everything I had at him really. Um, I had picked up, I had picked up Julian Merriweather. I had picked up, um, James MacArthur of the Royals. So I was starting five closers, <laughs> you know, cause I'm just like, I just need the one outlier week where I get like seven or eight saves and hope that I, and hope they fall a little bit. And that was kind of like my only chance. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this was the week I was probably in the Scream Pillow Discord channel because <laughs> I can you know with Julian Merriweather, uh, it's the eighth inning, the Cubs are up by a run, and then the the Seiya Suzuki fly ball happens and he drops the fly ball against the Braves. The Braves score two, Merriweather doesn't get the save up. Um, there's a game with the Tigers where they were tied in the eighth inning and it goes to the bottom of the eighth and Tigers score four runs. So like Lang doesn't get a save up. Um, because of the run difference, um, the Tanner Scott paternity leave thing. Oh man, what a! I fucking... mean, like, come on, oh, that unbelievable. was that was insane. Actually, the Tanner yeah, Scott thing, insane. where like he's already locked into my lineup and he's on paternity leave, and it's Tuesday. I'm like, this guy's been. I mean, again, he's been money for me. I'm not where I am without him, but like, I think he still got me two saves that week, and that was not even counting the weird. Uh, Marlins Mets game that got rained oh, out, geez. you know, it got <laughs> interrupted in the ninth <laughs> inning where the Marlins were up by a run and he would have come in in the next inning to, for a save opportunity. Like, I don't know, these are things that'll sit with me just like what ifs, you know, um, I don't think it would have mattered because I think Slack and them had a pretty decent week themselves. So I don't think I was going to catch them. Um, and I kind of knew by Friday or Saturday um, that I didn't think that the main, the, the title was in reach, but, um, I know the guy in third, I mean, we're like 
fairly close in points. And, you know, this is a big five-figure pay jump, you know, from second to third. Um, but I held on, really hoped that I think Alex Lang and MacArthur got a save on the last day, both of them. Um, and that was really something that I needed just for that extra security. Um, but yeah, ended up with, how many saves did I end up with? 60, 60, 61, 61 saves. Amazing. And I drafted, <laughs> I drafted one. You yeah. drafted one. Holy yeah. smokes. But again, it's... I, I put it, I had, I put it, I know it sounds, it sounds crazy that I put so much and many fab moves and, and money into relief pitching specs, but um, I think you really, really lean into it. And I think, I think, I feel like the guilds talked about that before as well. I think he was like, you got to attack those stats that you were deficient in. If you want to compete in the overall, just keep attacking, keep attacking. Yeah. Um, and, and like track it early too. That's the thing. Like I hear so many times, like I'll just wait, you know, and I'll just wait. Mm-hmm. And you, you could, you know, I'll look at the standings till later. What can, what kind of effect can you have on it so early? It's a huge effect. If you're tracking 80th, 90th percentile, that's why these things are in place. That's why they're proven methods to stay on that path to, you know, it, it's, it's, it's there for you to take advantage of. And, yeah, I feel like there's so so many uh, moments where I hear that. Well, I could just wait. I mean, sure, you can just wait, but yeah, you, know, you could also start early. <laughs> yeah, uh, like as soon as you know that you're gonna need it, you know. And it's it's tricky on the fly because you're like, okay, if I start all these guys, you know, not only am I tracking my saves, okay, how are my K's doing? Oh my gosh, my K's are starting to dip. You know, and a dip, I mean, you know, I was in the low 700s in points and now I'm like barely scraping 600. I'm like, wait, whoa, I got to slow down. I got to change things, you know. Yes. Um, Just seeing the effect on the other categories. I think maybe that's the apprehension that people have when they're attacking certain categories too early. I think they're just afraid of the effect that's going to have on their team. Um, But again, I love the NFBC. They have the the weekly track, the weekly stats and the you can see where you go with each category and you can see how many points are, you know, again, with saves, I knew that, okay, 17 points. If I get a save 19 points, if I get a save 21 points, if I get a save, like I'm getting closer and closer to that bell curve where the jumps are bigger and bigger towards the middle of the field. Um, Yeah. Ended up 61, which was the 57th percentile, 450 points. Yeah. Just, so yeah, an un, an unreal an unreal season. I mean, just from the draft, for, just from all the good luck. Um, I know I probably went a little long winded on my team, and just no, it's cool. I'm, I like know, that little but, story. It's, it's... But you know, just kind of what I was thinking as everything was happening, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, just again let the let the folks out there in the fantasy world just realize it does take a lot of you know. Obviously, there's the skill behind it. And, and drafting for an overall is a skill, but I think the injury luck and the good luck and the good luck factor is something that it's, it plays a pretty large role in the whole situation. Um, so I'm very fortunate that everything went well for me this year, but you know, who knows next year and the years <laughs> to come, who knows what was good process and what, what it wasn't. I think that's kind of the thing that I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I, every, every year is going to be different. 
um, you know, do I go light on saves again and just trust that my skills that I can find um, saves on the wire? Um, just those kind of questions I'm still trying to figure out um, after yeah. after the dust has settled. But um, yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty, so, uh, yeah. pretty crazy season. Unbelievable job. Well done. I mean, just, um, you know, just, just being able to uh, attack these spots like you were able to and just add to your already, you know, stellar base um, on your team. It's just, it's so cool. I, I, I love hearing and looking at stuff like this because, um, you know, like actually just sitting down and, and trying to do the math is intimidating sometimes, even just for a league, you know, trying mm-hmm. to just just looking at your who's around you, you know, in categories, like you're saying, like um, watching out for one category over the other um, kind of bit me in the butt a little bit in my second main that I lost to Posmar. I lost on the last day. I was up um, by three points going into Sunday and four points to start the week. He gained four strikeout points on the, on Sunday. Uh, Snell didn't make his second start for me. Jeez. Um, and uh, I lost. I, I three and you know by three strikeouts w- would have uh, spun the league around. No. And um, I spent uh, a bunch of time working to chop away at 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 uh, at at whip. Um, I was like around nine or 10 whip points in week 18, week 19, and, um, got all the way up to 13, um, by just adding, uh, at one point I was just at maybe five relievers, um, the Roberts, the, uh, the Stevenson types and the Tanner Scott before, you know, he became a close, just like all that kind of just, just, just looking for ratio insulators, like. At that point, I was uh, I was buried in save. I'd made a commitment to you know just not worry about saves, um, and I did notice that at one point I was like, okay, like hopefully I won't leave myself short in case. And every week where I got really close, you know, um, I actually was bumping up whip and case at the same time. Uh, I, I went from the same week I had nine whip points, I had twelve k points. And as I got up to um, 11 and 12 whip points, I was even up to 13 and 14 K points. And I was like, oh, man, I'm like knocking off both of these with some relievers and some good double starts. And the last week, you know, dropping from 13 K points to 11 was it. You know, that was the uh, the bite on the bullet. And then and and like average too. I, I like point two is it was a one uh, of of behind the guy in front of me and I lost that average point too. It was just, so he was on the last day. It was just brutal, brutal to happen. Uh, you know, to see Paul's is a class act and he's, you know, he, he texted me and he's like, I'm sorry. I had to win and I'm like, man, you listen. I mean, you know, he really is. He's just, he's such a good competitor, but he's even a better human being, you know, and he's like the first one. He's like, I I didn't know when it was gonna be right to text you. I just wanted to let you know I'm sorry yeah. it's you. I was like, no, I get it. It's it's just you know, just that's just the way it is, you know. It's just uh it's a tough game and we take so much pride in, in, in trying to do it the best we can and like I said, just trying to play all the angles, making sure you're not going to lose points here and there, and 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 they don't come to the overall too. It's just even more magnified. Like I, I haven't, you know, I was up there in the DC and I had to do a ton of 
you know, like DC's different. Um, again, it's another lead I lost on the last day. That was yeah. just devastating. And um, you know, and your DC is different because you have so many more options, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. I needed to I need to make ground and home runs, and and it was just looking every every period. It's like I have these eight outfielders to choose from. Like, which one's gonna get me this and that? And it's just, um, you know, I you know, on our fab teams, we're just limited to what we're carrying each each week to week, and we pretty much fabbing to start the guys that we're gonna use that next week and. Oh man, just, uh, but like fab wise, you know, I haven't been, I mean, I was up in the OC last year, but it wasn't up there in the main, um, not enough to have to sweat this out. So, mm-hmm. but I've seen you go through it. I see, I saw Weimer go through it last year and just to see the depth that he went to, you know, to just doing the math. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're talking, you gave a rough example of, of, of trying to yeah, project right. out the points and yeah. And that's the thing though, but, 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 but you have to do something, you know? Um, something. Yeah. yeah. And you heard like Dylan and Slack talking and Dylan was projecting out all the teams around them. Right. Like uh, <laughs> each period, like what he was expecting them to go up and down the standings with. And that's just, you know, if you could do those kind of things, if you have that kind of approach and the wherewithal to make that happen, and it's it's so big to do, you know, it's just uh, it, and that's the thing, it's what you need to to be to make it this far and to you know and to stay up there, you know. Yeah, so, it's it's fun stuff, man. I can't wait to see what you do next year. Are you going to be hey. um, trying to attend a live event, or are you going to do it online again? Um. You know, I'm not sure. I okay. I tend to lean online just because I like uh, just kind of having my own setup here at home and right. not having to do the travel and being able to be home with uh, my wife and the baby and all that. Yep. Um, but yeah, the live events are definitely on my bucket list for sure. It sounds sounds like an amazing time. Every every time I hear, you know, people do podcasts from there or, or I know uh, Govier does his his vlogs. I always I always mm-hmm. you know watch those. Um, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate I like I appreciate that that kind of work and effort that he puts in just because that you know that is exactly what it's like. People are meeting, greeting. You're going places. You're hanging out. Um, I yeah, sounds like a, it sounds like a blast. Um, definitely, we'll or we'll try to do it. You know, in the next few years, it really is. Yeah, it really is a blast, especially with the auctions. You'll love that. You'll love the intensity of those high stakes auctions. And I just mean, you know, like the first, my first New York um, experience was really cool, just meeting everyone. And but Vegas this year, the first Vegas was the first main event at Thursday, four p.m. You know, and like you know, everyone's rolling in at about that time too. Everyone's like kind of getting there Thursday. Um, and I just remember it's like talking to a whole bunch of people and like just going to sit down like had to like zone in on the draft at hand and the next that was going to be up in 20 minutes but i just remember like looking up at one point and it's like holy shit it's a big fucking crowd here you know yeah like, yeah I bet. tuned in to this the first live main and i was like oh man this is this is crazy you know and everyone's just staring at the draft boards and uh, that's, that's the funny thing too. Like, some people will like will just peek. Like, they'll walk in like at the break and they'll walk up to the board. They'll look up and they peek. 
And I like scanning, and you could tell, like, this guy in your league the next year, I feel like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, you know? Everyone's like, you're taking pictures or whatever, doing whatever they got to do to feel better about their chances in the the draft. But um, but especially the auction. I mean, you'll have fun in the auction. When you see, like, a Jason DuPont live at the auction, um, that was when I was first hooked. I got there, and I did a draft for Phil um, Mm -hmm. when – and he couldn't get to New York and um, just seeing the action during New York draft was just amazing. And, J- and Jason just like hooks you in because he's, he's such a character and he brings so much energy and life to the draft that you're just like, I got to do this. I got have to do this. This is so much fun, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so cool, man. I like, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that little path through your um, main event team. I think a lot of people can take, some good stuff off that, you know, hundred percent. Um, I know yeah. I have, uh, I'm definitely, uh, I, I love seeing this. I love seeing everyone's angle. I mean, I saw a lot of it anyway in the discord and I heard a lot of it, you know, as you were going through it, but it's cool to hear it all the way through, you know? Yeah. And it's again, fairly fresh in my mind because it was, <laughs> you don't realize how much it's weighing on you until it's over, you know? Yep. Um, 100%. I know we were talking about, um, you know, there were, fantasy baseball is a hobby. I think it's, it's so nice because it's something that I can kind of do on my own time, except for Sunday nights with fab. Um, and yeah, my wife has, has been so supportive with this whole thing. Um, and I didn't, I didn't clue her in as far as the money was concerned until, until it was over. Cause I know that I'm like, I I'm, it's a big, these are big swings for me. I can't imagine somebody else. I don't want anybody else to know about. Oh, really? So she didn't know. She didn't didn't know. know. I mean, she knew about, uh, you know, the, I was high up in the standings, but I I didn't tell her dollar amounts because I, you know, I just, so we had a nice, we had a nice night. night, Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's, it's a very, I I think I, I I love it because it's, uh, every year's a puzzle. And then there's puzzles within those puzzles. Um, And it's something that we can do, you know, kind of alongside our full-time jobs and listen to podcasts on commute during our commutes or, or, you know, whatever, whenever we're by ourselves, cutting the grass, taking a walk, whatever. Um, But then also I don't think it takes too much time away from family and that sort of thing. And that's kind of what I'm trying to keep in mind as well as, as far as like keeping the amount of leagues that I'm in to a, a reasonable amount because um, just that that's, that's what's most important. I think, I think, and I think, you know, with, with the money itself, just trying to find ways to buy more time. I think that's the most valuable asset that we have, yes. um, whether it's, you know, putting more money in retirement or savings or helping out um, the mortgage that I have, just trying to take a big chunk out of that. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm enjoying about the the win as much as anything. It's just trying to just buy a little time here or there um, or just looking towards the future. Um, I think that's, I think that's what's most important. I think that's why baseball just fancy baseball is a nice hobby for us because I don't think it's too, you know, encompassing. I don't, you know, obviously we want to spend time on discord and Twitter and interact with everybody and look up stats and, and all that sort of thing. But um I think it's also important to unplug as well. Unplug to recharge, uh, right? So isn't uh, that, you know, kind of a backward thing, you know, but... Detox yeah, to retox. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I have, we can, a, we call I have a friend. I have a friend. She she owns um uh cleansing concepts. Um, and she does like uh colon cleansing. Like you know, not like um anything you have to go under for. It's just, but it's her her motto is you have to detox to retox. It's like. <laughs> If you like to have fun, you like to have a good time, you like to go out to eat or whatever, you like to drink. It's like at some point your body needs to get rid of it so you could keep adding it. And I was like, oh, I like that phrase. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, you're totally right. And you just need reset and you need a good, you know, balance. My place is like the beach during the summer when I'm like, I got to get away. I just got to like, you know, just like get to a place where I can, um, you know, just unwind and, and, and not think about, um, you know, any crazy thoughts about about fantasy baseball but yeah. i also like found it too like um you know as much as you do want to look to the future too i think you should also enjoy the now because it's like you never know like life is so crazy and that's true so that's so true. fragile and like I, I i just that's why me and my wife just try to do as much as we can now um because it's like you know, what are you gonna wait for? <laughs> you can't, you can't take it yeah. with you too. And it's also like, um, it's so I was never one to savor those things either. I was always like, same thing, just looking for the later, the later. And I think it's like just one, this last four or five years, just what's happened to the world in general, um, mm -hmm. that had me feeling like, well, you know, we know what the fuck's gonna happen in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, we definitely. have to do it now, you know. So no, I agree with you there, yeah. Yeah, so um definitely have fun, enjoy yourself. But um we're gonna wrap the public part of the pull hitter podcast up right now. So for anyone who's not a member of the Meatball Mafia, the Pull Hater Patreon, you will not hear the next section that me and Brandon were going to cover, but we are going to hit some quick ADP from this year um and kind of get our thoughts on it. So um for everyone who's listening um, on the regular end. Thanks for joining and listening to Brandon's, uh, you know, journey through the um, main That's event. Do you, do you have any parting words for our uh, non-Meeple Mafia members of the world? Um, I don't think so. I mean, find you and everything or like, just, if you want to be found. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm on Twitter. Uh, handle is BKing818, all capital letters and a one for the king. K1NG. Um, yeah, maybe I'll be a little more interactive on there now that, um, you know, I pinned my tweet. Second yeah. overall main event. Bang, Damn. You know, that's I had it. to do that, you know, of course. You have to do um, that. But yeah, I'll, I'm on there for sure. Uh, parting words. Yeah, uh, give the NFPC a try. Um, if you're not on there already, would definitely try out some satellite leagues or try out auction leagues to start if you're just uh, one to wet your whistle, per se. Um, but also keep in mind as to what's most important as far as, you know, keep, you know, uh, enjoying fantasy baseball responsibly, not getting too much into your head. There's, there's so many things out of our control in this game. Um, yeah. there's so many, we can do all of the right moves and spend all this time on projections and all these things, but then the guys just go out and, um, you know, that's why they play the game, you know, things, things happen on the field and you make everybody, even with this team, I mean, I could go into more moves. I spent, you know, $28 on Adam Wainwright, like Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like just it, every, there's a lot of mistakes to be made. 
Uh, nobody's perfect. I think that was the, the nice thing about the Scream Pillow channel was there's so many other guys in so many different leagues were going through similar things and it was just so refreshing to be like okay i'm not not the only one that's made doofus moves or whatever um but uh yeah i don't know cool there's a lot of it's 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 a, it's a hard game we play for sure so don't get too stressed out about it um and if you're in a better, better mental health men, mental head space about it, i think i think you'll end up doing better anyway so Love yeah, it. just yeah. Cool. Good stuff. All right. For everyone um who's listening at home, don't be a bag of shit. And um join the Maple Mafias. You can hear the rest of this.